0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the NP Studio. Uh, Today, we have with us another really special guest um, who has had some great experiences, a wealth of experiences to share with us. Um, And um, it's it's none other than, uh, you know, Her Highness uh, Marani Radhika Rajay Um, Thank you so much for coming uh, on the broadcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Radhika Rajaji worked as a journalist with Indian Express New Delhi prior to moving to Baroda. Uh, Married into the Royal Gaikwad family, she's now actively involved in running one of the largest private residences in the world and imparting vocational training to lower-income women. The director of the CDS Art Foundation, uh, Radhika Rajaji has also been researching and archiving the rich history and culture of Royal India and has presented her research on prestigious platforms such as Safran Art and Rob Report and the India Today Conclave. Through the pandemic, she, along with her sister, has also been able to reach out to and aid over 700 artisanal families in Orissa. Um, For this, she has been conferred the HDFC Bank Philanthropist Award. She's also been conferred the prestigious Aspen Global Leadership Fellowship and has been recognized as one of India's top 50 women in Indian luxury by Luxbook. And I guess to to kickstart the conversation, um, it's really interesting you know, to know your journey um, before transitioning into the royal family, how was it for you, um, <clears throat> let's say, working for, um, like bef- before you came into the royal family, working for uh, the Indian Express as as a journalist? And then how did that transition sort of change uh, after you came into the royal family?
1: Uh, thank you for having me on your podcast, Naman. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, uh, hello to everyone who's uh, who's listening to us. Um, so, yes, I was a journalist before I got married, I I, I come from uh, a royal background, uh, so to speak, but uh, my father himself was a working person, he's, um, he's an IS officer, and uh, that's how I grew up. I grew up in a very, very egalitarian, um, uh, liberated uh, working environment. Um, yeah. Um, earlier years were in Bhopal, uh, where he was principal commissioner. In fact, he was so at the time of the Bhopal gas tragedy. So those mm-hmm. are some of my earlier memories of my father working, the commitment. Um, and then later on in Delhi, uh, where I schooled uh, in Delhi, and then I went to Mayo College, Ajmer, came back. I was uh, my college was in Delhi, and then of course I, I worked as a journalist. And um, our home was always Makhaner, where I come from, um, and uh, that was a very, very uh, privileged, uh, you know, growing up. But at the same time, there was the balance of being in a, you know, a government house in Delhi, and uh, you know, taking care of yourself, and um, you know, a very, very uh, grounded, uh, real life. So it was a beautiful balance of that for me. Uh, where I was taking auto rickshaws, or you know, taking <laughs> the, the public transport, the you know the local Delhi buses to yeah. get work, working within a budget, not living a completely cocooned or sheltered life. Um, it was very. Uh, Thrilling to be able to earn uh, your own, uh, you know, a check, a paycheck every month to read your byline in the newspaper.
0: Uh, So,
1: for uh, you know, for me, these were very, very uh, confidence, uh, confidence confidence-building exercises. um, it was it just makes you self reliant makes you understand the value of money makes you understand the value of hard work, you meet a lot of exciting people from different walks of life, when you are you know growing up in an environment of you know administrative service where people, you have the, the you know the best of. Uh, uh, people from all over the country um, in that, you know, community of uh, administrative officers, IS officers. um, Mm -hmm. And uh, at the same time, working as a journalist, again, you're meeting people who are, uh, you know, contributing to society, making changes, um, you know, from diverse walks of life. So it was a very, very exposed, uh, you know, foundation building for me, character building, um, uh, till I got married and came and that, Thankfully for me, that exercise has continued to grow and, and evolve uh, thereafter as well.
0: No, that's that's awesome. Um, it, it's great to have that sort of uh, uh, you know a different life experience before transitioning into you know what you currently do. Um, and as you said, you know very rightly, so it's a great confidence and character building exercise, and also grounds you uh, to a great extent. Um, now before coming to the tremendous work that you're doing for the society, um, I think it would be, um, you know, great to touch upon, first of all, you know, I'm also really proud of this fact, but so, um, the royal family that you are now a part of and where you live, uh, for audience members, it's one of the largest private residences in the world. Um, and so, uh, Maraniji is like involved actively in, you know, um, sort of like preserving all its heritage and all the artwork that's there which is really interesting something for me um, so a famous artist by the name of Raja Ravi Varma, actually um, one of his most like a lot of his most acclaimed works are uh, are there in the palace um you know in in our hometown so if you can just talk to me a little bit more about the heritage that's and the cultural movement that sort of the palace has facilitated being in a state and being one of the largest you know private residences of the world.
1: So, Naman Baroda, as you know well, being a Barodian yourself, that uh, was the epicenter of a lot of uh, revolutionary movement of its time. You know, uh, right. from the uh, 18th century, 19th century, right up till till independence, uh, Baroda was the fulcrum of a lot of uh, lot of pioneering work, whether it was in administration, policy making, um, empower women empowerment, uh, uh, female. Uh, education, everything was, you know, ahead of its time. It was a model state um, uh, pre-independence. Um, and with it also, there was the renaissance of art and culture and literature and music. There was all of that happening in Baroda. The best and uh, finest musicians performed for, mm-hmm. for the, you know, for the Baroda state. There were libraries set up, mobile libraries were set up all over uh, the, the. Uh, you know, when I say state of Baroda, Baroda was not just a city, it was an entire kingdom, and it was one of the largest, it was the second largest kingdom in the country um, wow. after Hyderabad. So it was, you're talking about huge expanses that spread right from uh, close, almost close to Bombay to up to Dwarka on one end. Um, so a lot came under, it was a... Uh, what what probably looks like a state today you know the different un, you know states and union territories that was the size uh, was you know baroda was larger than you know some of those and uh, so it was a very very well oiled machinery which was uh, had the finest of people from all over the country um, representing it so you had baba Saiband ambedkar who was also uh, uh, had been you know, he was uh, the whole scholarship for his education was taken care of by Baroda State and Maharaja ram and then he came and and uh, represented the state here uh, before he went on to write the uh, the Constitution of India. Uh, but also, uh, Sri Orbindo Ghosh, uh, Dada Bhai Naroji was a Diwan of Baroda State. Um, oh, so there were there were visionaries who were brought in at in Baroda. And, and served the state. So it was really ahead of its time. And uh, same with art. So Raja Ravi Verma came here um, and the association with Baroda continued for, for decades. Um, mm-hmm. His largest um, and most impressive works are with, uh, with the family. Uh, which are to view in the palace, uh, as well as in the uh, Mahja Singh Museum. So there was a lot of patronage happening, there was a lot of um, interaction happening, and a lot of impetus was being given to Indian craft, as well as the national movement, which was, albeit clandestinely, but being very much supported by the royal family of Baroda, because you know the family was very very pragmatic and knew that you know for the country to progress there has to be unification and that unification can only can come if if you know a, a royal identities were to surrender um for a unified uh, uh, national identity so uh, yeah so living today what we have what you're calling is the largest private residence in the world perhaps is you know is uh, really is symbolic and of all of those movements that happened here, and uh, that's why it's it's almost a, a heritage uh, a cosmos in itself. It's a cultural and heritage cosmos because it represents so many generations of 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 well, visionary leaders who lived here and have contributed. and the palace really um, is. Is representative of all of those ideologies and visions, whether it comes in the the woodwork or the stone carving or the stained glass or the uh, or the masterpieces of art or you know or sculpture or everything that you see here. There's so much thought and symbolism that you know it evokes, um, and it is really gives you a window into what India was and uh-huh. uh, and it's still Thank capable you. of you know if we just give the right patronage to our indian culture and heritage yeah so it's it's a very proud home um and it's a it's a 24 for our job for my husband samajit and uh, more so him than me to keep this you know ship going because uh you know it's 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 over 130 years old it's uh, it's um, it's very very beautiful, very ornate, very large. Uh, we are uh, three adults, two children, and two dogs that reside in it. So, <laughs>
0: nice, um, happy little family. <laughs>
1: yeah, but That's uh, awesome.
0: yeah. no, I mean uh, some of these things even I didn't know. Especially the fact that um, you know Beruda was not only the epicenter of great art but great music as well, and also at one point of time it was the second you know largest state um, in 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 the country, and so. I think that just speaks volumes of what um, the palace, you know, as we call it, has been at the center of, like, it's been at the center of cultural movements and how the culture is shaped around it, basically, um, in pre-independent and post-independent India. So, um, and and it's so interesting to see how art and music actually, you know, unites people. And I'm sure, isn't it, that even during, like, the times where, you know, we would call Raj Raviva Mahir or when... Um, you know Ambedkar ji had come to the palace like um, do you think like cultural movements or like cultural unity sort of like is shaped using music and art primarily or like has it still been like or was it happening then and as it still continuing to do so now
1: absolutely it was it was definitely happening then as well and uh, like when we talk of Raja Varma, the fact that you see, he's, of course, the founder of modern Indian art. He's the, he's the first and most celebrated um, you know, Indian artist of all times. But what he did was, what his unique contribution over and about all the artworks that he has created is that, one, of course, he gave human uh, realistic uh, forms to mythological figures. You know, Till then, uh, Indian art was very stylized at how it looked at gods and goddesses. You know. Right. They were uh, exaggerated figures. They were all blue and things like that. And he came with his European, uh, you know, understanding and his uh, English training, and he uh, he gave them celestial, you know, aura and and features. But they they were humane. And, mm-hmm. and they became, you know, immediately identifiable and and uh, you you know and coveted for that reason. In Baroda, of course, he did a lot of royal, uh, portraiture for royal family. But what he really did in uh, from here was that he um, the Baroda state worked uh, to promote the artists of of Baroda state as well as other artists of India, but especially those who were associated. Or commissioned by the royal family, you know, there was no concept of exclusivity that this artist is is, is great and he must only exclusively work for me or my family. The okay. idea was to patronize Indian art, give it that credibility to, and you know, if the prominence comes from Baroda, if there is that kind of uh, patronage that came, which was, oh, this is, you know, this artist is being promoted by this family, which has a great. You know respectability internationally. Um, it gave him great impetus, and uh, Sajirao made sure that his works were shown in expositions abroad. That they were shown in expositions in India. That he won gold medals for them. So he started becoming a renowned artist whilst working in Baroda, and wow. then uh, you know later on he had this uh, idea of um, of starting a printing press, and. Mm-hmm which she collaborated with Dada Saheb Phalke. Now Dada Saheb Phalke himself had studied at the uh, at the college here at the Performing Arts College. He had wow. learned uh, filmmaking.
0: One and of I the biggest I'm freedom fighting. fighters, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, uh, no, Dada Saheb Phalke is the uh, oh sorry, in the filmmaker,
0: yeah, the filmmaker. Yeah, the
1: film, bad. yeah. Correct,
0: correct, correct. The filmmaker. So,
1: yeah. um, and uh, so he, uh, he, was in, he was studying in JJ School of Art in Bombay, filmmaking, wow. but they did not have the, the kind of cutting edge equipment at that point of time. And uh, Sajira was informed about uh, him and that he wants to study, but the equipment is not available. And so he made it available. He had it brought, and then Dada Saifalki learned here. And from here, we believe that an association began with Raja Varma and him. And then when he started the press which also was started with the seed money being given by Saji Ram. so his printing press was was partially funded by the royal house of Baroda
0: wow.
1: and then the associate association of Baroda which is falke and Ravi Varma continued uh-huh. to make these works of art accessible um and and what we know as calendar art you know yes which
0: which is so prevalent today uh-huh
1: Yes, so that's how he made art accessible so you know he was very conscious of the fact that he was creating these beautiful works of art but they were, they were only being viewed or being afforded by the privileged. So he made art, you know, through his printing press accessible and reachable to everyone around the country. Um, And why it was really uh, transformative was because. There still existed a caste system at that point of time, Naman, in India, and everyone was not allowed access into temples. However, you could buy a calendar or a picture of uh, Lakshmi, Saraswati, Ram, Krishna, all the goddesses and gods, right? And have it in your home for a very nominal price. So he made gods accessible to all. And that was was really a revolutionary and egalitarian thing to do. And there again, Baroda's contribution is there. So there was, you know, if you look at it, it's multifarious ways that art and music reaches out to people and impacts, uh, you know, popular culture, um, you know, sentimentality, religion, all of that is, you know, these aspects play a huge part in it. And and pivotal people can, can change that.
0: Wow. No, I mean, so many great takeaways from this. And, um, I mean, it's, it's literally a larger than life concept, you know, I mean, you can extrapolate its usage and the way in which it sort of like symbolically unites entire nations is, um, is unprecedented, especially the fact that, um, like the last point that you made, which is so right in that, like, you know, like social norms such as the caste system and these entire you know frameworks in place embedded deep in the roots of India were um, really sort of challenged in a way when when these cultural movements through the lens of art and music to you know shape um, and and obviously you know through the aid of of the royal family at that time. So um, I'm amazed at how big you know uh, the ramifications can be of like having these like cultural changes and movements and you know supporting them at the right time for the betterment of the nation. Um, fantastic, and I'm 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 glad that now the way in which modern art and modern music is being shaped um, is still being looked at as a way of like culturally uniting people. Because I also remember that you know it is the one common denominator which doesn't look at you know any caste or creed or gender or color. You know when people you know listen to it or people watch it. So I'm I'm glad at the way in which it's having all these really positive impacts on the society. Um, I think moving on um, right now would be like like a really nice way to transition to this. But so you have also been involved actively in uh, being a patron of the Heritage Trust. And um, sort of like one of your key things there is to be working on the World Heritage Sites list and like uh, the monumental complex of Chapaner, um, as we call it. And so if you could just talk about that and maybe how um, currently the heritage structures of that like, I'm not sure, but is it a UNESCO World Heritage site or like, like a really popular site and how maybe it's being like obliterated right now and how you're trying to, you know, preserve it?
1: well the uh, Champanir is a world heritage site and credit to that goes to a uh, heritage trust which was under the leadership of um, karan grover architect and mm-hmm. he worked extremely hard and, and ensured that this coveted status comes to this site in uh, near baroda it's a, right. a stunning uh, stunning um, you know uh, array of of uh, monuments which i would you know recommend to everyone who's coming this part to see so heritage trust yes has been uh, instrumental in identifying several heritage structures and um, and you know fighting for a lot of uh, buildings which are coming down um, uh, sometimes you're successful sometimes you're not um, and. Uh, yes yeah, so even in my personal capacity i you you, you pick up cudgels with uh, with 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 establishments which are bringing down structures or, or defiling them and uh, that is as, as my personal capacity or as as a member of this family or um as you know someone aligned with heritage trust that is something yeah we we do keep um, you know championing but there's so much more that needs to be done because every day you see a structure come down
0: unfortunately I know. Wow. Um, I mean, preserving history and preserving heritage in itself is a gargantuan task. Um, and it's sort of like underrated in a way, because I'm not, uh, I'm sure like people don't, um, you know, generally might not know of, of the steps and like of how much it takes in terms of the resources and the time investment, uh, you know, to keeping it intact. So, um, you know, props to you for that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, another thing now, um, to talk about more is, um, like your work that you've been doing for the society, especially for, you know, women empowerment and supporting um, women from low income families. Um, how has that work um, taken shape, um, like from when you started it? So where do you see, like, how far have you come at if you look back and maybe, you know, how has the pandemic sort of like, you know, churned the wheels with that? Um, and, and, you know, how, how have your goals maybe changed because of that or, you know, how, how has the track changed? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I say, you know, being in 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 uh, social work or where you're interacting or trying to, you know, be useful in society, one I've realized one needs to adapt with, with what is, you know, the dynamics of society. So, right. um, like Amarni Chivnabai Sri Udyogale has been set up in 1914, and we've been working with women uh, of wow. lower income women, uh, uh, and lower income group and uh, and the urban poor, and uh, we've been it's it's done a huge good of work in society the women who've gone up to set their own enterprise they run their homes through the skill building that has happened at the sanstha. and over the years there has been a shift in what we have been training so what earlier began as you know making pickers or block printing or you know file binding and things like that Mm -hmm. which will say you know relevant in society hundred years ago we've moved on to doing computer courses tailoring courses uh, fashion wow. designing beauty parlor so you know moving with the times we have incorporated new courses and and we are doing we are going further as to have you know for the uh, gujarat uh, uh, you know government uh, um, jobs, there is a common exam, we are training women for that. Uh, UPSC, uh, NDA because now the army is open to, to having women in, so we st- want to start training for that. Uh, grooming and etiquette course for women, you know, when they go out for uh, for interviews, uh, to be able to present themselves to their full potential. Uh, um, we have uh, training in how to, you know, you, you can train women to start their businesses, but they also need to know how to run and you know work their own money so from opening banks to taking loans to all of that uh, you know so empowerment also means taking control of your money and not putting it in you know xyz account financially
0: independent exactly. correct exactly mm-hmm.
1: so all of that um, uh, through the lockdown we were not able to run our courses reach out to people so we did a lot of um, you know provisions that we passed on to labor community uh, those who are out of jobs so reached out to a lot of you know did a lot of community work there we started something which was very effective which was a, a free and confidential um uh, uh, counseling for people who are struggling with this pandemic with depression or anxiety which which a lot of people are still benefiting from and uh, we've so these are some of the things you were already doing we uh, uh, my personal focus is also to bring in the lgbtqia especially the transgenders um, who are still very much at the periphery of society there are about 250 in baroda so we've already aligned we've done uh, with the jindal school of hospitality we did a small course for them to train in hospitality right. um, but in addition to that we've also um,
0: sorry no you, you're totally fine <laughs> yeah
1: so uh, but in addition to that we've also done gender gender sensitization uh, workshops uh so basically a more inclusive society so say 100 years ago the you know the the, the at the fringe were say women and children but you know we have evolved from then society and we can work with them but there are new new causes which need to be championed so for for any organization it's important to to you know to keep your eyes open and mind open to what how to adapt to what society is now in need of you know so
0: true the context changes um and and especially especially the fact that that you shared with uh, how like the the stakeholders at the periphery um you know might change but the periphery itself remains the same and there's always people in in the society who are Uh, you know, as you said, like those certain communities that, um, those causes that need to be championed and how the contextual relevance changes with time. Um, Especially, you know, what I was super interested by is, you know, whilst you were talking about the the core of the Indian economy with women empowerment and and rural sort of like sectors being in um, craftsmanship and, you know, being being artisans are now also getting more digitized and, you know, are taking courses and are getting more vocationally trained and how that, you know, like now the meaning of what Uh, it means to be independent both financially and like you know socially has changed and and technology has become a big part of it so I'm, i'm glad that that work is happening um what i was really interested just to follow up with is let's say the work you're doing with the lgbtqia plus um community right and um what like how much more do you think um we need to do and and maybe do you think there's any dichotomy with the western world where this situation might be more progressive or are we all at the same point and we all need to move forward as a society uh where do you think we are with this in touch i
1: think with india so with the transgenders unfortunately there's just not enough done and and it's something very endemic to the indian subcontinent mm-hmm. uh, uh when we talk of the kinnar community or what what is called Crudely known as the Hijra community, right. um, they are still live. You know, it's still a ghettoization. They live segregated. Um, they are not integrated. They are. Uh, they earn in a specific manner. They are seen right. uh, in a specific manner. Uh, sometimes they are rigid in letting go of those uh, of their cultural distinction, uh, but very often it's. Uh, they are just don't have the opportunity and and people view them with so much bias and and sometimes scorn that you know that that is not happening here and it I, don't, I haven't seen it anywhere honestly in the world because. You see a lot of transgenders even say in Thailand, but they 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 receive the respect as just as any normal individual does, and there is no, no
0: distinction right <laughs>
1: absolutely or anywhere else in the world, so this. The way this community is treated or has had to work for centuries to earn is um, that needs to change. You know, with the help as they wish it to change, of course, at the pace and at in the in the tone that they wish it to change for themselves. But um, so that that is a is a, is a, is a focus where I I feel very strongly about, and I want to uh, you know work with them closely. So that is that is a project that. Uh, yeah, it's close to my heart. Also, we, uh, we had initiated a pink line where we are training women to be drivers. So, um, wow. especially for school vans in, you know, Baroda being a smaller town, there are a lot of children who go in school vans, um, not buses and they're smaller children. Um, and uh, very often, I mean, as everywhere, you have instances of sexual harassment for small children. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I think being a parent myself of two girls, I would be much more comfortable if there was a woman driver or a woman attendant in those vans uh, when children are being ferried. So, um, also the pay scale of a driver is higher than, say, just a normal maid. So, right. you know, working and training women uh, and you know placing them in in schools, especially where they're younger children, is 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 another project we are working on. So, transgender wow. inclined These are uh, key projects that. Yeah.
0: Wow! Wow! No, it's. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's, I'm, I'm so glad um, about the fact that, you know, um, you're always in the limelight, right? So there's always people and, you know, who follow like every move and like who who are following, like tracking you. Um, But like what, what you love to the core and, and like giving back to the society has been something which has remained constant throughout your journey. And it's not like, you know, you go out and publicize it. It's, it's more like you're internalizing it and um, you know, creating such tremendous impact. I mean, I, I yeah, even I hadn't thought of that like perspective. That oh, okay, you know, if there's women drivers, then parents would be less sort of apprehensive of sending their kids to school or like you know to these other places. And I think that could be a great model for change um in the indian ecosystem as well, where i mean this is just about this one sort of like archetypical example with drivers but even like you know taxi drivers i mean there's this like this uh, large like greater degree of trust being embedded in it and also then coming back to to what we were talking about in the whole gender um you know arena so wow that's 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 really a lot to take in and that's um that's amazing thank you so much for sharing that and i think um briefly before we sort of like you know close the loop on this uh, on this conversation um you know you're also this you know you're this diva you know you have um had um such amazing you know collaborations with uh in, in like taking forward the whole you know indian sort of like core fashion and you know jewelry and all of that uh out so whether it's magazines like you know you, you've done stuff with Vogue or like other popular magazines um or you know your your traveling passions like what are some of your maybe like hobbies and what do you like to indulge in personally if you're not you know while you're you might not be working in in your in your projects currently
1: uh so textiles is is a is a passion for me but like uh, for me i i try and uh, you know align my passions with 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 being useful. So, so, you know, I love, I love crafts. So I, for me, even through this lockdown, it's about really aiding the artisans, you know, and mm-hmm. giving them a platform, giving them the technology to be able to reach out to more people. So we did this Urja, this exhibition at the Sanstha where we were sold for the artisans for over 20 lakh rupees, which was a, is a was a, was a great Street in wow. you know, in those times for the artisans, but it it is basically coming from a place of passion for me. So yeah, it's uh, textiles is uh, all crafts are a passion for me. I I love educating myself on Indian culture and history. I love to travel for architecture and food um, and yeah. So for me, a cultural experience is is always uh, something that I I, I enjoy and uh, I. I evolve with so traveling around the world is something I, I enjoy doing a lot for wildlife as well um as well like I said the cultural aspect uh, wildlife mm-hmm. is something I've grown up and I'm very very um you know tuned to so nature and wildlife are uh, my my top things to do when I'm traveling wow
0: good yeah no, so- that's, yeah no definitely I mean um it's, you know, we we all love to travel, but, you know, traveling with a purpose is is something really interesting. And I'm sure that you've had, like, those great experiences. Maybe it's, like, whether it's going in the West go you know, going in Africa and those those places, I think. There's a lot that each country's culture has to offer. And maybe, like, seeing where the common denominators lie is also, like, a really interesting thing. I'll keep that in mind, let's say, when I'm traveling now, to, yeah. to travel with a purpose. Um, I think just, like, I was so interested to know this. So, I'm like right before I let you go um, how was um, the polar dip in Antarctica like you are maybe the only Indian woman to do that but like how was that experience like how bad does it get
1: it was exhilarating of course (laughs) Uh, you jump in and then you kind of try and swim a bit and then your bones start to freeze so obviously right (laughs) it takes a few seconds for the shock to set in but uh, yeah it's one of those things you have to give it a try you know so yeah it um, it's uh, while your body allows you to you know experiment, I think one should one should be one should be playful with one's life, not take things too seriously.
0: <laughs> right. So, would, would you feel that uh, you know uh, do you think uh, Antarctica will I mean this is on a on a more sarcastic note given how global warming is shaping up, but do you think it's going to be a tourist place like very soon, given how it's melting?
1: I think if anything, they should start reducing the number of ships that go because look
0: right, so true. Mm-hmm. It's
1: North Pole already the numbers of polar bears are depleting so rapidly. so if anything, some places should be left pristine
0: I know I know um, I'm, I'm, I hope you know they they take it um, in in the in the right spirit to sort of like enact that um but yeah, thank you so much for taking out the time to do this. It was absolutely amazing, and I'm sure people who are interested in. Indian culture, history, heritage, and just you know, giving back to the society with a with a passion. Um, Take something away from this. So, thanks a lot for coming here again, Radhika Ji, and um, you guys stay tuned for the next episode of the NP Studio.